Hey, how's it going? So I want to sh- share a little bit about, you know, my thoughts on the shapeshift layoffs and a lot of empathy that I'm having for Eric Voorhees right now. So first off, I think it's pretty cool that he was upfront about these layoffs. There, there are definitely things that companies can do to not let it leak out to the public that there have been layoffs, right? There's lots of techniques for doing that <laughs> if you're into HR and uh, he didn't do it. He was, he didn't do any of that, any obfuscation. He wrote a medium post about it. And because he wrote a medium post, it was covered by almost all the crypto publications, Coindesk, the block, etc. So the headline is that they let 37 employees go. So if you haven't heard of Shapeshift, which is unlikely if you're in the crypto space, it's a non-custodial exchange. So kind of think about exchanges as existing on this continuum between um, you know, centralized exchanges on one extreme and decentralized exchanges on another. Examples of centralized exchanges would be like Coinbase or Binance. And then on the decentralized extreme, you know, you would have uh, decentralized exchanges like Radar Radar Relay, Paradex, etc. And then there's kind of hybrid decentralized exchanges like IDEX. And if you're interested in decentralized exchanges and the spectrum in general, check out the um, the latest flipping podcast we've done uh, about this. It's a two-part series about decentralized exchanges. It's a really deep dive. It's much more professional than this podcast. So anyway, they let 37 employees go. And when I read his blog post about doing this, the thing that stuck out to me was his statement that they made a thousand mistakes, but the most thematic of them has been lack of focus. And I really can resonate with this. Um, You know, I think this is something that uh, a mistake I made in the past and at at previous companies. Um, You know, I, I think if you're a product person and you love product, there's a certain joy that comes with launching a product. And when you launch a product and it has immediate success, like Shapeshift did, I mean, they grew incredibly fast. I think they grew 3,000% in 2017. But when you, when you have that kind of immediate success, you, you think it's, or you can think it's pretty repeatable, right? That you just got, you got the it factor and, and you can do it again and again and again. So Shapeshift, not only did Shapeshift, which was their core business and brought in almost all the revenue, they created CoinCap, which is a, a, a nomics competitor, I, I guess, a, a, a coin market cap competitor, etc. And so that was at coincap.io. They purchased KeepKey, which is a hardware wallet. They created a smart contract like index fund thing. Uh, called Prism, which I used. It was really great. I actually liked it quite a bit. But they they did a bunch of things that weren't essential to their core business, probably because they had a bunch of cash flow and they could, right? It's fun It's fun to create products if you're a product person and, and Eric Voorhees is. But 
I think that's really, I think that's really hard to scale. And, you know, I think the first thing that's hard to scale uh, around creating multiple products is just the founding DNA, like whatever confluence of circumstances and talents and people that led to your existing success, it's, it's generally hard to reproduce, right? Like most startups fail and whenever they work, it's a combination of skill and luck and timing and a whole bunch of other factors, right? So to try and do that over and over again with product after product, when you're still a startup, right? Like not when you're at Salesforce's size or Google's size, but doing that over and over and over again um, in such a short period of time, like maybe if they did one other thing, they might be able to do it. But initiating all all of these projects, it, it, it's hard to do. I think another thing that's hard to do is just find leaders that can spearhead these initiatives, right? I mean, this is why this is why companies do acquisitions. You know, it's not because they can't hire a product person to come in and, and create a new product and hire some developers to create whatever that product person asked them to create or whatever they co-create together. It's because getting that founding DNA, right? That person who's going to talk to everyone in the industry, who's going to agonize about this, you know, when, the, when they're sleeping and in the shower and, um, and is going to work, you know, a gajillion hours, you know, 18 hours plus a day to make it happen. Um, right. The person for whom this isn't just their current job, but for whom like they've put everything on the line for that. You can't, you can't really hire a bunch of people to do that unless you can throw a ton of money at it. So, yeah. So, so you, it's, it's hard to scale those founding circumstances. It's hard to scale the people, right. That can start a new business from scratch. I think it's, it's fairly easy to hire someone with proven experience to scale something that works in a business. The hardest hire to make in my experience is um, when you go to hire someone to make something that's never worked before in your business or that you've never done before in your business to have them create that from scratch, right? When it, when it, when it's never existed before. So, um, you know, I've, I've certainly tried this before, uh, you know, I've hired, uh, you know, VP of sales to create sales organizations from scratch and, you know, or all kinds of different things. I actually, I won't go into specifics here cause it's probably not, you know, not a great idea, but it's, it's hard to make something thrive and, and crush it when you're, you're hiring someone from the outside to do something in your business for, for the very first time. Right. So I, I think probably the role of a founder is usually to um, stand up something, make sure it works, make sure that it's having enough success that you can hire someone to scale that success and then bring that person in. Um, but to do that over and over and over again, not just for new areas of the business, but for new businesses, period. <laughs> um, you know, and, and then find people who can do new things inside of those new businesses. It's, it's just, it's really tough. I think also, you know, in, in addition to Shapeshift saying that they, they weren't super disciplined around focus, right? I think this also can point to being undisciplined about hiring and firing, right? So anytime you 
you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone here has been in business meetings before where there's a bunch of people in the meeting. And you're like, what do you do? Like, why are you here? What are you contribute contributing that's essential to this business day in and day out? Right. I, I think that, um, often organizations can, um, hire leaders that are undisciplined about firing people along the way. And then people who are well-intentioned, well-meaning, working hard, um, and, and who may be a not, you know, super efficient, uh, manager, like they just can't find it in their heart to fire that person because, you know, they do work hard and they are well-meaning and they are smart, but they're just not moving the business forward in a way that can justify their salary. Those people end up just kind of accumulating in an organization sometimes. And when that happens, you know, then the company becomes responsible for addressing that accumulation at once, right? Rather than doing it incrementally over time, you know, as a result of performance reviews. So I think a lot of times organizations can say that what they're doing is a reorg, but often a lot of those decisions should have been made along the way. Anyway, this is this is a great reminder to me reading this article um, because I, I, I personally can have this tendency to spin up a bunch of things because it's fun. Creating new things is fun. Startups are fun. Starting from scratch, you know, creating new capacities is, is fun. And um, so I'm going to be sharing this, this article with our team and talking about the importance of focus, not just in terms of spinning off new products, but staying true to the core of what a company does. And it's usually one or two things, right? Until you're at at least... I don't know, 50 million in recurring revenue. Your job is really to do one or two things really, really, really well. And everything that's not that usually needs to go or get cut. And uh, it's better to do that sooner rather than later. Anyway, uh, props to Eric for the transparency. I hope everyone who was laid off um, as, you know, as part of these cuts can uh, find enjoyable roles that they're excited about soon. You know, not to downplay the impact of this, right? Because this does this does take an emotional impact, right? Getting getting laid off absolutely affects your self esteem and your state. Um, in my experience, though, with most tech startups, the people that are hired, often you know, especially engineers, but also Salespeople, product people can can usually find a job fairly quickly, right? Um, almost almost everyone who's laid off in these situations is receiving requests on LinkedIn left and right from recruiters who want to talk to them. So I hope everyone can not only find some employment, but can find some employment that they really enjoy. Anyway, those are my thoughts, um, and uh, this really this really hit home for me. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. If you liked this content, please help me out by leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It provides me with encouragement and it helps other people find the program. 
Also, if you have a question that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, go to asknomics.com, leave me a question, and I'll do my best to answer it in the next few days. Thanks for listening, and see you tomorrow.